We're in our series called All In, which really is looking at the book of Acts. And um, I'm excited about looking at that. Last week we talked uh, about some of the historical reality um, that as we looked at at the early church, as we got to A.D. 100, that Christianity had already permeated most regions of the Roman Empire. By 325, it was estimated that there were 7 million Christians and that as many as 2 million of them had been killed for their faith as scapegoats by Nero for burning the city of Rome, uh, which he had done himself. And the question is, how is it possible that they could reach so many for Christ during this time? I want to direct your attention this morning to start with, and we're going to stay primarily in the book of Acts, but Acts chapter 8 and verse 4 gives us the answer when it says this, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. That's how, by 325, there were already 7 million that knew Christ. This morning, what I'd like to do is share with you several instances from the book of Acts of those that found themselves in situations where they were called upon and they answered that call in different circumstances to share the Word of God with those that they came in contact with. I'm going to start with a man named Philip. I love Philip's story. We read his story later in chapter 8 of Acts in verse 26. It says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, excuse me, I'm going to cough. Anybody here have the angel of the Lord show up at your house? Just check it. It's possible. I'm not saying that it's not. I'm just saying I haven't heard about that. If that happens to be your circumstance, some of you are like, I'm not saying it because I'd appear crazy if I did. No, that's, hey, the, the Lord showed up to Philip. He, he sent an angel to speak to him. And look at what he said. Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now notice that he did not tell, the angel did not tell Philip why, okay? If, if the Lord shows up to you at your home and he says, I want you to show up at the corner of 480 and 553, okay, what's your next statement going to be? Why? We, we want to know why. We want to know what's, what's the reason, and, and that's not what God gives him through the angel. He just tells him where to go. But after Philip gets, he gets started and he gets there, the angel gets more specific. And the angel said, I, you see that chariot over there? I want you to go to that specific chariot. You and I, when God speaks to us or impresses something on our heart through the voice of the Holy Spirit, we don't want just a little bit of the story, do we? We want the entire story. 
Lord, I need more information than that. You need to tell me what you're really up to here so that I can be on board with this, when in reality, he wants us to simply be obedient. And he wants us to go. He wants us literally to answer the call that he's placing on our hearts. And sometimes go just means go, and the details will, they're they're a need-to-know basis, and right now you don't need to know, evidently according to, to what God is sensing at that moment. But once he gets there, he encounters someone who is obviously an important individual. He turns out to be an official who's in charge of the treasury of the queen of Ethiopia. And, and this was obviously pretty evident to Philip, but yet God reminds him. We go to chapter 8, verse 29. The, Holy, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Now, what are the chances? What are the chances? Look at the next sentence. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Let me ask you this question. What would you have done if you were in this situation, if you were Philip, and the angel of the Lord told you once you got to the place he said to go, and then he said, you see that car over there? I want you to just go stand by it. What would your response be? Whoa, Lord, hey, oh, wait, wait hold on here just a second. I... I I don't even know who owns that car. I don't, I see somebody's in it, but I don't know who that, maybe you're in the, in the parking lot of Target and the spirit of the Lord speaks to you and says, go stand by that car or you're in Target and the voice of the Lord says, go stand by that shopping cart. Now that's creepy, okay? <laughs> you just go stand by that shopping cart. You're, you're thinking, Lord, they're gonna think I'm nuts, They're going to think I'm crazy. You need to give me more information. We don't want to look stupid, do we? I've I've told this story before. It was about this time of the year. And people, I I was walking in my neighborhood. I was was really making a concerted effort to try to get healthy. And and I was walking in my neighborhood. And and it it was a fairly... Nice day. There was a lady out, though, scraping the end of her driveway, you know. She wasn't really chopping it. She was more just trying to shovel the top layer of, of stuff off. And, and I'm, I'm doing laps in my neighborhood, and the, the Lord says, you need to talk to this woman. And I said, but Lord, I'm trying to get healthy. I'm walking, okay? I'm just, if you don't know by now, I am impatient, Okay? I, I, I am. I've, I've been impatient through my whole recovery process. I always want to be pushing it. I want, that's just me. So I'm walking and I'm saying, Lord, I'm trying to get healthy so I live longer for my family. I want to do this for you. I, really, Lord, I'm walking for you. That's re- you know, I'm justifying it. And I, every step I get, I'm getting closer to her. Okay, started out, she's 100 yards away, then she's 75 and 50, and I keep walking, and this feeling grows stronger and stronger in my heart that I need to talk to this woman, and finally I say, okay, Lord, 
I will say hello to her. And if she engages, okay, and it's obvious, then I will, I'll stop and I'll speak to her. So I get up to where, where her driveway connects to the street, and she's there shoveling the stuff out of the end of her driveway, and I looked at her and I said, hello. Now, if you know me, I, I do that a lot, and not everybody responds back, okay? She immediately stopped what she was doing. She said hello back. She immediately started speaking to me. It was very obvious that she, she, she was engaging instantly. I didn't have time to take two more steps, and I knew that I had to stop. And she, she, she asks me what I do for a living, okay, and within 30 seconds of this conversation starting. And I said, well, actually, I said, I, I pastor a church out in Harvey, Silver Creek Church. And she, she has her shovel uh, standing up, and she flops her head down on her forearm, and she just goes, oh. And she said, I am literally having a crisis in my faith right here, right now. I'm arguing with God a hundred yards ago, okay? I'm saying, Lord, I have things to do. God is calling me. He called Philip. He said, Philip, I want you to go to this place. I want you to go stand by that shopping cart right there. I want you to do this. And when Philip got there, he heard the man reading from the text of Isaiah the prophet. And if you know anything about Isaiah, he prophesied about the Messiah. Here Philip is, one of the disciples of the risen Savior, and he's going to explain the entire gospel to him. He accepts Christ and he is baptized that day. We don't get the whole story, but he calls us. We don't get all the details, but when we act and we accept God's call, the call of the Holy Spirit to move, miracles will take place. Our second person is Peter. Peter answered the call, uh, uh, God's call to go to someone that didn't fit his views. Okay, are you, are you with me? Now, Philip's, his, his situation was different. Philip didn't know the person. Peter's situation is that Peter, it, this person doesn't fit Peter's views, okay? Now, this can, this can cause us to some difficulty, okay? Acts chapter 10, it records the events, and it starts with a, a Roman soldier named Cornelius. He's devout, he's God-fearing, he gives to the poor, he prays, and again, an angel of the Lord appears to Cornelius, and he tells Cornelius, hey, Cornelius, I have good news for you. God has heard your prayers. He has seen your gifts to the poor. And he has answered you. And the answer is this. The angel says, I want you to send for a man named Peter. And he tells him the exact address that he needs that where, where Peter is staying. Now, at the same time, Peter, at that address, is having a vision. Peter has a vision of a sheet coming down from heaven by the four corners of the sheet. 
So it's a square sheet, and it's dropping down from heaven, and on that sheet, there are all sorts of animals. And on that, that sheet comes down, and the voice of the Lord says to Peter, kill and eat. Now, if Peter was a youper, that wouldn't have been an instruction that you had to have made, because Youpers know what to do with those things, okay? But, that's, but that wasn't Peter, and Peter's response was, Surely, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean or impure, okay? The Lord says, Peter, don't call anything unclean or impure that I have made clean. That's, that's God's response to him. And he says it to Peter again, kill and eat, a total of three times, okay? Now, this is, this is different than our, we te- when we tell our kids to clean up their room, okay? And we have to tell them three times, and then we get serious, and we, we get that different tone in our voice. God does it for emphasis here. Three times he tells Peter the exact same thing. Let's go to Acts chapter 10, start at verse 17. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision... The men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. Get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter is wondering about the vision. Why is he wondering about the vision? Because this thing came out of the blue. Peter, kill and eat. Don't call anything unclean that I have made clean. Let's look at verse 28 of Acts 10. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. That's the connection. The Jews would refer to the Gentiles as Gentile dogs. Okay? Now you and I, when, when we refuse, uh, you know, dogs, we love dogs. People in Marquette, we are dog people, all right? It's the truth. That's the only place I've ever heard of where college kids get their own dogs, okay? I've never seen that before. We love dogs in Marquette, okay? Well, when they called them a Gentile dog, that was not a positive comment, That was a very, very derogatory comment. You're an animal that eats off the floor. Okay, are you with me? Okay, so now Peter is understanding that there is something that God is intending here and God has to work through Peter's views. Because before that time, Peter would have considered Gentiles to be dogs. All right, are you with me? No, you're not with me. Are you with me? Are you okay? You guys are like, oh, I'm worried about my driveway. God is calling Peter to speak to this person that doesn't fit his picture of what a Christian should look like. But he goes and he shares the good news. And the scripture tells us that while Peter is still speaking, that the Holy Spirit comes down on 
all of Cornelius' house. It doesn't say that anyone was exempt. And, and literally, now I want you to think about this. We're in Acts 10. Remember what happened in Acts chapter 2 with the 120? The Holy Spirit came down. They began to speak in tongues. It says that in Acts chapter 10, the same thing happened. Peter had not given an altar call, okay? He didn't look out and say, Everybody close, you know, bow your heads, close your eyes. If you'd like to accept Jesus, raise your, I see that hand. Is there another? They, he didn't do that. They just started speaking in tongues. Peter was so taken back by this. And he said, well, I, I, I guess I, I really can't stop you people from being baptized in the name of Jesus since you've already received the gift of the Holy Spirit. This was totally against Peter's Uh, his own views because a moment ago God had to tell him that Gentiles were not unclean are you with me do you get what I'm saying there are times when God is going to tap on your shoulder and he's going to say hey you see that person right there that's covered from head to toe in tattoos you see that person that, that, that doesn't look like we look or doesn't look like our picture of what a Christian should look like or does look like? Uh, maybe it's someone from another country and we're not familiar with their culture, but the Holy Spirit says, I want you to go stand by their grocery cart. God's going to work and he's going to call us to things that are different from what our views might be and that's what Peter did. And as a result, Cornelius and all of his house were saved. Number three is a man named Ananias. And he answered God's call to go to someone that he was afraid of. In Acts chapter 9, let me read uh, beginning of verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. And ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Now Ananias knew who this was. He knew who Saul of Tarsus was. He had been scattered out from Jerusalem himself, undoubtedly, living in Damascus on the run as a part of the church. And God speaks to him and tells him exactly where this man is. And it's a problem because Ananias knew that Saul had approved the the death of Stephen in Acts chapter 6 and 7. He was afraid that if he would go to Saul, that the same thing would happen with him. Now, we know that from Acts chapter 8 and verse 3, that Saul was starting to destroy the church, going from house to house, dragging off both men and women and putting them in prison. He's breathing murderous threats upon the church. He has legal documents that allow him to travel from Jerusalem to Damascus to find and arrest and imprison Christians back in Jerusalem. So he's going to take them back to Jerusalem. Ananias doesn't know about Saul's encounter on the road to Damascus, and I'll bet you that he wanted to say, no way, Lord, not me. Because he was afraid. But Ananias agrees to go. He prays for Saul, and Saul is healed. What would have happened had Ananias allowed his fear to get in the way? 
Would anyone else have accepted the call to go? I, I don't know. I hope they would have. But imagine if no one had gone to Saul. Imagine if Saul had not been connected back to the disciples. Imagine if Saul had not written two-thirds of the New Testament. Where would we be? Saul did so much as Paul. So many came to know the Lord. But imagine if Ananias had not done that. My fourth person in the book of Acts is the person of Paul himself. And he answered the call of God to go to people that didn't want him there at all. In Acts chapter 13, the church now in Antioch, they're having a worship night like we did this last week. And as they're worshiping, the Holy Spirit says, I want you to set apart Paul and Barnabas, and they're going to they're gonna represent me in this new, this new world that we're taking the gospel to. In Acts chapter 13, it says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit says, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. They literally left immediately. I want you to understand that, that Paul took three trips, missionary trips. Has anybody here ever been on a missionary trip before? Raise your hand. That's great. That's wonderful. A missionary trip. Paul took three of them, and I want you to understand there's, there's no cars, okay? Uh, there's no trains. There's no planes. He, he traveled over 10,000 miles during those three trips. On his second trip, he was kind of midway into the trip, and he has a dream, and he has a, a vision of a man from Macedonia. And that man, according to Acts 16, he said, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after it says in verse 10 of Acts 16, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel. And when Paul got there, Time after time, he was told, we're not interested in hearing about your God. In fact, in the city of Philippi, there was a sign as you entered the city that said, don't bring any new gods to us. And that's exactly what Paul was doing, was bringing the message of the one true God. In one of the, the, the places that he went, it was called the area the Areopagus, he went there and they had a, a shrine to the unknown God. And Paul said, this is my chance. And he said, I know who that God is. He's the God who made the heaven and the earth. He's the God who sent his son, Jesus, to die for us. I see you know him. You just don't know his name. Let me introduce you to him. That was in the city of Athens. While he was there, the scripture records that only one person accepted Christ. His name was Dionysius. What if, what if Paul wouldn't have gone to Macedonia? What if he had not answered the call that God gave to him? Think about that. And you say, well, it's just one person. A lot of years ago, there was a missionary named Victor Plymeyer that was called by God to go to the people of Tibet. He spent 30 years with the Tibetan people. 
during that 30-year period of time, his wife died and his son died. And he had not one convert for Jesus Christ. Imagine how much of a struggle that would be. Imagine the feeling of failure. At the end of that 30-year period of time, he came back to the States. After he passed, a number of years went by, and the underground church in China was seeking to become legalized in China. And the Chinese government said only those who own property can have a legalized organization in China. Someone remembered that Victor Plymeyer had been in Tibet. And Tibet was controlled by the Chinese. And they said, didn't Victor Plymeyer's wife and son, weren't they buried in Tibet? They called the family and they said, yes, they were. They said, did they give them a deed for the the small little area where they buried them, and they said, yes, we have a deed. That deed allowed the church in China to become recognized by the government. Think about it. 30 years of answering the call without one convert, and now the church in China is growing exponentially. Because he answered the call. You see, I believe that God is going to call you and I into situations where it's not going to fit our views. We're going to be afraid. Where it just, it just doesn't work for us. We're, we're, we don't have all the information that we need. We really don't know what God is, is up to, but, but we're going to sense that call. And the question is, are we going to say yes to the call? You see, God wants to do something through you. And in order to do that, you've got to say at that moment, yes, God. I will answer the call. I'll go stand by that shopping cart even though I don't know what you're up to. I'll talk to that lady at the end of my driveway. I'll go to Tibet for 30 years. I'll do what you're asking me to do. I'm not saying God is calling you to Tibet, but if he does, yay God, I'm I'm all I'm good with that. And sometimes that's what we're afraid of if I say yes. God, you're going to call me to a foreign land. I don't know that that's what he's going to do, but I know this, that he is going to call each of us to go where we go. Maybe you go to Scandia. Maybe you go to Marquette Township or Eben Junction. Maybe you go to Champion. Maybe you go to Newberry. Maybe you go to Harvey but God is going to call you. I believe today that there are divine appointments that God has for us, and all He is waiting for us to do is say, Yes, Lord, I will go. Would you stand with me? I want to close our service today, pray for you, and ask for God's blessing upon your life, and ask that when He calls, that we will answer. Would you bow your heads with me?
Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that even on this snowy morning when we're expecting more snow, that we can gather in the name of Jesus, that we can worship together, that we can look at your word and that you can transform us. And I pray for the one here. There might be somebody that already knows that you're calling them. In fact, with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe God's been working on you and he's, he's calling you and you haven't said yes yet. I don't know the circumstance. I don't know what it is, but you just it's confirmed in your spirit that God has been calling you to speak for him. If that's you, I want to pray for you right now before we go. Slip your hand up. If you, you just sense that that's you, R- lift it up. You say, man, you know what? Yes. Come on, keep it up. Anybody else? Father, I thank you that you are speaking, you are calling us. And Lord, I pray that our answer would be yes. I pray that we will not Wait another moment before obeying what you have told us to do, even if we don't know the whole story. Father, I pray that we will not be afraid. I pray that no matter what our, our, our views might be about that person or about their culture, that we would be obedient to your Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray that every one of us are going to have that moment where you are speaking to us and we step out in faith. Lord, may we see the fruit of that obedience. Let us be all in, I pray, and answer the call. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.